This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Yeah, no, I think they've done a good job of merging their sort of identities uh, schematically a lot that Sean does. Um, really married up with, with what Russell does well. Um, and it, I think it's been a, a pretty good union, to be honest with you. I mean, he's, and obviously, I think lately, like a little uptick in some of the run game stuff, the design runs, obviously the, the scramble and off-schedule plays have always been there for Russell. And, um, but designing some of those things and then, uh, you know, the shots downfield, which, which he's always been good at, uh, whether it's to Lockett or DK or now Sutton and, and Judy and those guys. So I think there's a pretty, it's a pretty good marriage for that, uh, for that team for sure. That is the voice of Texas defensive coordinator Matt Burke, who was asked today at their press conference with the Texans about the Denver Broncos. Uh, Sean Bijani from KILT in uh, Houston with that sound. The Broncos offense, Sandy, has not exactly set the world on fire, but we know what they were at last year. They now are averaging 22.4 points a game, and it's gotten better as of late. That doesn't put them all that far off from the Texans, their opponents on Sunday, averaging 23.5, just 1.1 points difference. But here are the Texans kind of known around the league already with behind C.J. Stroud as having kind of an explosive chunk type of offense, and the Broncos in this, a ho-hum sort of uh, like they're out of the the 40s with the way they're playing football. But the reality is that it's kind of two different ways that are getting towards the same point in the road. Maybe uh, Houston's defense is not playing nearly as well as Denver's defense is right now. The start of the season, every defense in the league was better than Denver's. And because of that 70-point game in week three, Denver's metrics defensively are still not very good. They're still last in some major analytical categories. Yeah, on the season. And, and, yep. that, that's how much damage giving up 10 touchdowns in one game can do. It can set you back. Uh, in a short season especially, it can set you back for the entire year. And I think in some ways work to the Broncos' advantage because somewhere deep in the recesses of a team's psyche, as they get set to face the Broncos, is the idea that they aren't a very good defensive team. And then teams run up against something completely different from what they expected, something much stronger, more formidable, more aggressive, more inclined to take the ball away. And I think to be perfectly fair about all of it, Denver's leading the league in takeaways now. They've had... I believe, 16 in the last five games during this winning streak. Well, that's helped the offense. And that has resulted in many games where the Broncos have an extraordinary ratio between yards gained and points scored. And the defense actually scored a couple of points in their most recent game. Houston's offense is not getting that kind of help from Houston's defense. And the quarterback numbers kind of bear this out. And we'll look at Russell Wilson first on expected points added per dropback, total EPA, and that's all plays, including runs, which helps Russell Wilson, right. as a matter of fact, and the passer rating. And for the entire year, we broke this down yesterday, Wilson has remained in the middle of the pack. 15th, 16th, 17th, most of the year. Weeks one through four, 
break the season down into thirds. Sure. Right? Yep. One through four, five through eight, nine through 12. EPA per drop back, first third of the season, based on how many games they played now, more or less. Weeks one through four, Wilson ranked 13th. Weeks five through eight, EPA per drop back dropped to 26th. Last third, back up to 13th. Total EPA from 14th overall, 9th weeks 1 through 4, 28th weeks 5 through 8, and back to 13th in weeks 9 through 12. The rating is the one steadying aspect. Overall, 5th, first 4 weeks, 3rd, next 4 weeks, 12th, now back up to fourth. You look at Stroud, we'll go EPA per drop back all the way down from overall to one through four, five through eight, nine through 12. Mm-hmm. Fifth, seventh, 18th, and third. A little bit of slippage uh, in there, but basically steady. Total EPA, fourth, seventh, 14th, and second. Rating sixth, ninth, 21st, and third. So you had that period between weeks five through eight where you didn't play very well. And remember, Houston kind of leveled off uh, during that period. But based on the most recent performances, weeks 9 through 12, you have Stroud third, second, and third in EPA per dropback, total EPA, and rating. And you have Russell Wilson in the same categories, 13th, 13th, and fourth. Right. So it, it, they're doing it differently. You're, you're largely correct. They're sort of getting to the same place. Denver leads a lot more uh, to a run identity, uh, a power run identity, which, as I remember, about a month, maybe five, six weeks ago, we were talking about where's the identity that they talked about developing right. in the preseason. Uh, well, it's developed, and they've carved out roles for their running backs as well as their quarterback. I, they, yes, they have found Russell Wilson, a kind of game that he can play. Still, it's not the Russell Wilson, the freewheeling Russell Wilson of Seattle days, although Russell Wilson didn't think he was freewheeling his final years in Seattle. He thought just the opposite. He was being held back. But this is the way kind of that Pete Carroll wanted Russell Wilson to play, and maybe they had the personnel to play it, and maybe they didn't, but he resisted. Career survival has a way of... uh, Focusing the mind. Uh, yes. And his career was on the line. Absolutely it was. Contrast that with C.J. Stroud, who in the words of Sean Payton, does not play like a rookie plays. Uh, however, we've all seen rookies that. are supposed to play. Right. He plays like a seasoned, savvy veteran. And I was kidding on our weekly podcast with Dr. Rick Perea about the cognitive test that basically before the draft was taken and had – a lot, if not everything, to do with the fact that Bryce Young was selected first and C.J. Trout was selected second by Houston. So much for that cognitive test. Because saying nothing about Bryce Young, who's been through now two different coaching yeah, staffs, presumably coaching next year, a third year, right. different head coach uh, inside of a year. Uh, forget about Bryce Young for the moment. C.J. Stroud 
has been remarkably poised, uh, able to rise to the moment. And in some ways, this will be a stiff test for C.J. Stroud because as a rookie, he's had the advantage of operating as an underdog. Relatively low expectations. And even for head coach D'Amico Ryans, also a rookie head coach. By the way, the Texans are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this Ah, game. They are not the underdog. They're expected to win now. That's my point, that now you're not the underdog. You're not the cute little overachieving team that right now would qualify for the AFC playoffs. Now you're a favorite. Now Now you're supposed to win. And you're going up against a team that there's no other word for it has transformed itself. I'm I'm reading a lot about Alabama this week, and Nick Saban keeps using the word transformational to talk about his quarterback, Milrow in particular, and the team in general. Well, Alabama was pretty high up even after the yeah. loss to Texas. I don't know that transformational would be exactly the right description with the Broncos. It is. They've gone from 0-3, 1-5 to 6-5. Gone from having an historically bad defense through the first month to six weeks of the season to having now a top five defense with a, with a, by, by any measure, anyway, by any measure, ball hawking skills and be getting after the quarterback. And I, w- you name I would it. dare say if you wanted to look uh, as ESPN did at leading MVP candidates and honorable mentions and people who get votes, I, I guess maybe you subtract from Justin Simmons a bit because of the games he missed, but Patrick Sertan has played in every game. And I would look at those two guys, two guys on the defensive side of the ball, eh, you know, neither one's going to win the MVP. I get that. But as somebody, if you were listing the top five or ten, one and or the other would show up on a fair number of lists. Oh, well, they they did before the season when you're talking about at least with regard to their own position. These are top guys. You know, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. But I... I think there's been amazing leadership demonstrated by Justin Simmons, who has been pounded and pounded and pounded by all the losing for all the years he's been here in Denver, seven prior years, and a one-and-five start this year. Remember around the trade deadline, we were saying, boy, the Broncos could do Justin Simmons a huge favor by trading him. Absolutely. I was saying that. I was, I was, I was absolutely thinking that was the right thing to do. But you also look, and it's a, it's no knock on Sertan necessarily, more as it is praise for Simmons. Go look at the Broncos when, take over the course of the season, look at the game that Simmons is in, and look at the games that Simmons is not in. And the Broncos' defense generally looks vastly different. <laughs> and, uh, literally just because yeah. of his presence. Yeah. And... Kind and Baron of, Brownings helps some, yep, but, but, but basically, case, let's face it, it's been Simmons. You've got that sort of a backstop in the defense. You have the ability of a guy that over the last uh, handful of years has become among safeties as much of an interception threat as there is in the league. Correct. Uh, he has, has built even a reputation now in part by uh, being sort of Patrick Mahomes' personal devil, of which Mahomes <laughs> even admits. And I, I think that, that all of a sudden you're right. 
because you look at even the passers in this game, and C.J. Stroud is second in the league in passing yards behind Sam Howell. Stroud's also attempted more passes than Russell Wilson. By a lot. But it's by a, yeah, it's by a decent amount, obviously. You know, Stroud 391, in Wilson's case, all the way 319. So, 72 passes. And they both played in every game. Right. But Wilson has more touchdowns. Yes. And fewer interceptions. Um, yeah. 24 versus 19-5. But you're right. Listen, 19-5 out of this world. It is. 24 is even better. Five interceptions with all those additional throws. That's incredible. But no other quarterback in the NFL is a 5-1. to one And the counter-argument touchdown is. Touchdown to interception ratio. 72 fewer other than throws. Russell. Wilson has more touchdowns than Stroud. Yeah. So yeah. th- they're sort of ending up in the same place. And, and the Well, the Broncos throw the ball in the red zone more than any other team throws the ball. Yeah, the which is indicative of which is the trust that Sean Payton weird, actually has in, yeah. in Russell Wilson, it's even one though of the it doesn't seem like it between the 20s. Tendencies of the Broncos that between the 20s, they're a running team. And it's the old Red Miller philosophy in 1977 when Craig Morton was his quarterback. When the Broncos were on their side of the 50, they didn't throw much. They certainly didn't take chances. And Craig Morton was actually encouraged to take sacks rather than throw the ball up for grabs. And Morton, at that point in his career, had developed a tendency to try to save plays. He was playing on a lousy Giants team before he came to Denver to save plays by throwing the ball, and he had a big arm. And a lot of those plays resulted in interceptions. So when he got here, he had a defense, first of all. And he also had not a great offensive line, but a much better one than he had in New York. And he was coached here to take the sack rather than throw the ball up for grabs. And if you look at Craig Morton's numbers in 1977, he hardly threw any picks. And they didn't take chances on their side of the 50 Although in the AFC Championship game against the Raiders, he hit Haven Moses earlier in the early in the game with a long pass that was obviously from his side of the field. But generally speaking, when the Broncos got into so-called plus territory, they got a little more aggressive, and that's somewhat reminiscent of this Bronco team, rather conservative on their side of the fifty. But when they get into plus territory, and especially when they get into the red zone much stronger tendency to throw the football and actually be somewhat aggressive. And I'll tell you, some of these touchdown passes, a couple of them to Sutton in recent weeks and to Troutman last week. I mean, tremendous I mean, catches. They're not only great catches, catches, but wonderful throws yes. that can only be caught by your intended receiver. There's no chance that I think any that's of an those important thing three to point passes out. that I'm thinking they're about. They're not getting picked. None. It, it, there's no chance they get picked off. So in that regard, when you look at it, you think how great those catches are. You also have to kind of zoom back and say, you know what those also are? Those are no risk passes. <laughs> right. They will exactly not right. they will not hurt you. Exactly. And exactly. and the expectation is great. If my receiver goes and makes a great catch, that's wonderful. But if he doesn't, that's all right. We're fighting another down. And and that's really important. Wilson at this point has an interception ratio or percentage, I say, of one point three percent. Yeah. That is not only the lowest of his career, but it's the lowest in the NFL. The percentage of passes in which he is throwing a touchdown, 6.3%. It is not the highest rate of his career. In fact, he's had numbers higher than that on multiple occasions. 
But this year, and we've talked about how the defenses, especially at the beginning of the year, were getting ahead of offenses, right? Russell Wilson has never led the league in touchdown percentage. He has yeah, had... Well, he's first this year. He, he, is, he, he is will, first this I year. I think it's safe to say at he 6. will 6.3%. The funny thing is, he's been higher than 6.3% in 2012, 2013, 2015, 2018, 2020, and 2021. Not once has he topped the league. But oh, I the, tell you, this has been a rough year for quarterbacks, which makes yeah. Wilson's season even more impressive because the quarterback numbers in general from last year to this year are, are down. Interceptions are, are down. up, touchdowns are down, and all this. And he's taken 16 touchdowns and 11 picks from last year and transformed that into 20 touchdowns this year, and we've still got six weeks to go. Right. And only four picks. With the highest completion rate of his career by a by the sizable margin, as uh, a matter just of fact. For comparison's sake, Patrick Mahomes at 68.1%. And the only fly in the ointment for C.J. Stroud is that he only completes 63.7% of his passes, but he's throwing a ball down the field and averaging 8.4 yards per attempt, which is a yard and a half more per attempt than Wilson and a uh, 1.3 yards per attempt more than Mahomes, who's at 7.1. Wilson at 6.9. Stroud at 8.4, number two in the league. I think Brock Purdy is number one. But there's an argument to be made that what Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are doing is adapting and adjusting in real time to the NFL is always cyclical. We know that, right? And because of the advent of guys like Patrick Mahomes, defenses have gone and more the Vic Fangio route. We're just not going to let you hit 60, 70 yard touchdown pass. Almost anymore. a limited form of a prevent defense. In many ways, it, it is. And the Broncos, instead of fighting against that, have decided, okay, we'll just take what you give us then. And we'll just nibble, 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 nibble. And then we get to the red zone. We'll trust our quarterback right. to make the right decision. So far, it's panned out. And it may very well not be as much of an outlier next year if defenses continue the way they are because teams are forcing themselves into having to play that way a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting that there's that tendency to protect against the deep ball, but there's also the desire to take the ball away because teams are still going to be able to move. And you're not necessarily, even this year, going to shut people down week after week after week, but the takeaways are essential. And this is an area over the last 20 years that much more often than not has been a major weakness for Denver and inability, forget about the giveaways and inability to take the ball away. And just the 16 in the last five weeks, that's extraordinary. There were seasons where decent Bronco teams didn't turn the ball no, they didn't over have... from the opposition much more often than 16 times, and that was over 16 games right? primarily. Right. At, at this point, obviously, it's, it's looking all pretty good for the Broncos, even though it's not necessarily glamorous. It is getting the job done, and that's really an intriguing part of this. The Broncos in that uh, turnover plus-minus now, by the way. Not only do they lead the league in takeaways, but in plus-minus, they are fourth behind only the Steelers, the Niners, and the Bengals. And again, pretty remarkable given yeah. that this is a team that at one point cost I, I'm shocked that the game. Bengals are in there, but I guess it shows you uh, as we circle back, uh, quarterback plays down. Joe Burrow, before he was hurt, was not having as good an all-around year as he did in 2022, but the quarterback still matters because uh, Cincinnati's on that list.
and then they're all but out of the playoff race. Yeah. Most of the teams, however, that are in that group. But everybody else in that group is right. not only a contender uh, for a playoff spot, they're a contender for a championship. It is a good recipe for success. We'll talk more about the Broncos as the show goes along, but a major basketball game of the college variety up in Fort Collins. The Rams keep it going and might find themselves in completely uncharted territory for them. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Oh, man, that was probably one of the last few things I had on my checklist. I uh, didn't want to get out of here without one, man. And that's a great program over there. Uh, a lot of respect to Tad Boyle, man. He's had great teams ever since I've been in college. And uh, to be able to get one in my last year, I think it's pretty special. He's played in, you know, complete control. Um, never afraid of the moment. He's not one of those guys. If he misses three shots and the next one comes to him and it's his to take, he never hesitates. Uh, just plays with so much poise in the huddles, on the court. And No, I mean, I said it after the Creighton game. I'll say it again. If there's a guard in the country that's playing better than him right now, I, I want to see it. From our friends at Nine News, those would be the voices of Isaiah Stevens of the Rams and Nico Medved, the coach of the Rams, talking about Isaiah Stevens, who played 36 minutes last night, 20 points, 11 assists in the Rams, 88-83 to 83 victory over the Buffs. The Rams go to 7-0, and oh, and by the time the next rankings come out, it's possible they could match their all-time high. The program has never been ranked any higher than 18. This win might get them there. Correct me if I'm wrong. They play Washington, the Rams do, on Saturday in Fort Collins. That right. That is the uh, the next challenge. They get Washington in Fort Collins on Saturday. So rankings will not come out until right Sunday, Monday, whatever. But you win that. You win. You win that game, and I think you do move up. Now, how far? I have no idea because it's dependent on what the nineteen teams ahead of them do for the rest of the week. But they have a hell of a chance to move. Maybe not into the top 15, but move up several notches. And that game on, on Saturday will be part of the Las Vegas Invitational. It'll be at the MGM Grand. Okay, in, I'm sorry. It in, won't be in Yeah, Florida. in Vegas. But uh, I don't but know. But it won't if, be in It's not gonna it, be, it, in right. Seattle. Either. In theory, Washington's the home team in the, the home yeah. team, in finger quotes for those looking yeah. at it on the app or the stream. Uh, they are the home team. But Washington but is not ranked. They don't get a home game. Yeah. They're unranked. They're 4-2. The ESPN uh, analytics model that it stands today as the Rams with a 53.2% chance of winning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, well, it'll be a tough game because certainly. last night's game was so emotional and took a lot out of the team. And I guess they won't have Lake, who played with a broken finger last night and, played and scored well. 16 points in 21 minutes in a performance that Nico Medved described as legendary because he's going to be out now for six weeks. Uh, he will have to have surgery on that finger, and he will be out for six weeks which means basically eh, on through almost the end of January, uh, well into the start of the league season. And they will miss him. They will miss him because he and Palmer combined for 27 off the bench. And uh, with all due respect to Luke O'Brien and Julian Hammond of CU, 
uh, their primary players off the bench, uh, they did not play as well uh, as that. And uh, the difference in the game, I thought, came in the last two minutes of the first half when a single-digit lead became a double-digit lead at halftime, a 15-point lead for CSU. But I thought throughout the game, the difference was uh, the bench scoring production for CSU far exceeded, uh, far exceeded the bench uh, production from the University of Colorado. But it was a terrific game, especially in the second half. Both teams played great. CU scored 57 points in the second half uh, to 47 for Colorado State. And I agree with Nico Medved. I've seen quite a bit of college basketball already this season. And I love uh, uh, my men uh, from Kansas, uh, Kevin McCuller and uh, uh, Juan Harris. But nobody in the country is playing guard right now better than Isaiah Stevens is playing it. And he was great last night. 21 points, 11 assists. He was both clutch and totally unselfish. He never made a bad decision all night uh, throughout the game. I I say never made a bad decision. I mean, nobody is uh, literally perfect. He did turn the ball over three times. But you'll take in any college basketball game a guard who gives you 11 assists and only turns the ball over And down times. the stretch, a 7 for 8 for the free throw line, important to note made there, every too. Made every key free throw. The, every every single throw. time the Buffs made a, a run, because, look, you see this in college basketball, too. You know, one team get, get almost 60 points in a half. It's easy to get on your heels. The Rams did not panic. Uh, Nico Medved had that team read. They they had answers offensively every time it seemed as if the Buffs would be able to maybe tilt the game. The Rams had a play that they could go to. They had Stevens either scoring <laughs> they had or a Stevens dishing. They could yeah, go. you had a guy that they, they could get it done. Pretty remarkable. Uh, we talked uh, about yesterday. We talked about how Cody Williams for the Buffs gets better game by game, and I said it's really more like half by half. As well. You, Last night, he was out, as bad as bad can be yeah. in the first half, and he was as great as great can be in the second half. 21 in, in the second. He scored 21 points in the game. All came in the second half. He only turned the ball over twice in 31 minutes, I thought, in the second half. You know, when we said when CU played CSU back in September, mm-hmm. uh, up in Boulder, football. Right. We said, you know, tough loss for the Rams. Really tough loss. But they found their quarterback. CU lost last night by five points mm-hmm. to a team Tad Boyle has hardly ever lost to. Yeah. Right? Ask Isaiah Stevens. You heard him. And, <laughs> something right. he really wanted right. badly. And it, Isaiah Stevens, fifth-year player. Right. CU found its freshman star last night. They did. In the and... second half. He, 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 that's now going to be the expectation for Cody Williams. And, yes, he will have some dips, I'm sure. But we saw the five-star player that CU recruited, the first five-star player ever recruited by Tad Boyle at the University of Colorado. And I'll tell you what, CU may have lost the game, and yes, they're five and two, and yes, it's true, they won't be ranked this week, but next to Arizona, CU is the best team in the Pac-12 that I've seen. From our friends at 90s, they had a chance to, of course, catch up with uh, a couple voices you'll hear from the CU side, Tad Boyle, leading scorer K.J. Simpson, and... Cody Williams. Yeah, it stinks. I, I mean, we should be king of this state. But the only way you're king of the state is to prove it on the court. We didn't do that tonight. That's on us. We, we knew that. We knew that coming in. Nothing surprised us tonight. We tried to emphasize, you know, how rowdy it was going to be. And I think we just kind of let it get to us, to us a little bit. But um, at the end of the day, every, every road game is going to be like that. 
sure, because at the end of the day, it's also a pride thing, you know. Now we got here, they're saying they're the best in Colorado, they're Colorado's best basketball team. So, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, there's a pride aspect behind that. But for us, we can't let it get to our head, you know, can't let us weigh us down. We've got to watch film. We got Pepperdine on the third, so just watch film. Watch film on this, learn from it, get ready for Pepperdine, move on, bounce back. You know, good teams bounce back, and we're a good team. And if you're the Buffs, that's all you can really do is focus on the next one. And I, I think you're right. You know, they, they know what they've got in a score in Simpson, but now I think, Williams, you're going to start seeing some pretty regular performances. Yeah, and and listen, Simpson, and, and you know, I, I did listen to parts of the first half on, on the radio. And, you know, CU Radio. And, you know, they're saying, you know, Simpson is, is a talented scorer, but sometimes – he needs to be a little more unselfish yeah, and distribute the ball because there are things he doesn't see. He, he's not the ideal point guard from that perspective. He, he doesn't have great vision. He's not really a playmaker. I, I, I thought he was fine last night. He had four assists, two turnovers. Yeah, the Buffaloes is a team at six. But, but Total. they only had six assists. And nobody else has – a, no other starter even had one. I, I'm telling you, Ooh. they – it looked to me. Pass now rock, I'm, I'm probably exaggerating. In the first half, I bet they didn't move the ball from side to side once. And I'm talking about the three sides. Of the it, court. it really didn't. I, I, I don't think that happened once. There was no and effort. In the second to half, CU scored a basket when they swung the ball. And Mark Johnson on the play-by-play had a great comment. He said, "Boy, amazing what you can do when you actually move the basketball." Right. You know, amazing. Everything in the first half was the one-on-one individual efforts. Uh, listen, KJ Simpson, you just score 30 points in a game like that. On the road, you're a player. With 9, okay, nine you're, of 13 you're, you're shooting, too. And he was, he was not taking bad shots. But I think there were things they missed. Uh, Hadley got into foul trouble. Uh, Lampkin, who I think is a good player, uh, just... He just kind of wasn't there. He was invisible last there. night. Yeah. Uh, I thought De Silva had a bad game by his standards, certainly. And I like De Silva as a player. I like him a lot. I've seen good. him play in person dozens of times. Uh, 11 points, 8 rebounds, 1 steal in 36 minutes. That's not good enough in a game like that. You needed more from him. Williams was great in the second half. Simpson uh, scored throughout the game. Uh, but here's the deal. See you in the first half, shot 7 for 26 from the field and zero for five on threes and turn the ball over nine times. Second half, 20 for 29 from the field. And CSU beat that. Isn't right. that amazing? 20 for 29 for CU from the field and only six turnovers in the second half. Six turnovers in that kind of atmosphere against that good a defensive team. That's You can live with that. Yeah. Nine turnovers, no. Not in one half. But the end, the end result, when you're talking as a team, you got six, turn, or six assists, four steals but yet 15 turnovers. Well, You're yeah, not going to win many games that way. Exactly, and especially when the other team has 16 assists and 7 turnovers. Right. Just about flipping oh, and, those and 10 steals, too. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you yeah. take the assists yeah. plus steals. I mean, you know, they had 26 of those to, to you know, only and, 7 and turnovers. It, I, I'll tell you, the buffs one guy I felt down. real good for, Neek Clifford, who spent three years in Boulder, uh, transfers through the portal right. to CSU, uh, where he – you know, he played 33 minutes last night. He's not going to play 33 minutes if he stays at Colorado. No. Nope. In any game it, it, that's as competitive as the one last night. He's just not. He's a good guy to have off the bench. I, I loved his game. He was part of the depth that made CU not a great team, but a pretty good team uh, the last three years. He's a big part of that. He comes on last night, hits the first shot he takes. I believe it was a three from straight away. 
15.6 rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block, uh, three turnovers, 33 minutes. He was terrific. Scott had 15. He's, you, know, you remember Joel Scott mm-hmm. from CU. This is another <laughs> kind of person from a CU family, yeah. so to speak, who, who's playing for CSU now. And, uh, again, late 16 points off the bench. Palmer, especially late in the first half, was great. Had 11 points in 18 minutes coming off the bench. And, you know, in games like that, that's as good a CU-CSU game as I've ever seen. The second half was the best half, for sure, that I've ever seen played between CU and CSU. And keep in mind, by the way, Patrick Cartier, who scores, averages almost 11 points a game. Right. Missed that game Missed with the, the game. back for the Rams. Play. Uh, the, the Rams are no joke. They deserve to be exactly where they are. Uh, I, I love. If not higher. Yeah. Ranked I love the 20. balance. Like you talked about off the bench. I thought there was a lot of ways that, that Nico met that. I think he pushed all the right buttons. I think he's got a lot of. And Nico's a great coach. Depth and, and yeah. Nico losing and Tad are hurt. great bench coaches. But, uh, you know, getting Cartier back would obviously help them. He's a bigger body at 6'8". You know, we'll find out with, with that against Washington. So. The loss of Lake Hurts, and you'll lose that shooting. But it, it's pretty special to see what's happening there. And you watch that game, and I came away with it the way you did. I'm like, Colorado's pretty good. Colorado looks like a tournament team to me. Colorado State looks better. They look they looked better for the moment. They yeah. looked better the last night. They looked better when they were when they were. were oh, who is the best the player game? on the court? Oh, Stevens. Okay. Period. There's your answer. Yeah, that's not even in dispute. I mean, it was clearly well, your answer. Yeah, the better team has got the best player. And they have the, the best, best player. player on the floor last night and the best player on the court for CSU throughout the season so far by far has been Isaiah Stevens. And he's a fifth-year player. He's I don't know. I, I may be wrong on this because uh, I'm not around him every day. But it seems to me he's gotten thicker in all the right places. He's stronger now. And, I mean, he's doing, and I, I understand this show uh, – generationally is directed toward younger people. <laughs> so when I say Oscar Robertson, I, I'm not making look one, I'm up. not making a direct comparison, but two, look him up. And the thing I remember about Oscar and from watching him at, from the time I was a little boy, he'd get the ball. And if he was 14 feet away from the basket, he backed you in. He wanted 12 footer. He got the 12 feet. He wanted 10, 10 feet. He wanted eight, eight feet. He wanted six. Six feet, he wanted to layup. He backed you in. He was so strong. There wasn't a guard in the history of the NBA, including Michael Jordan, who was any stronger than Oscar Robertson. Jump higher? Yes. Stronger? No. And that's the impression I got. I'm watching, you know, a, a younger version, maybe a poor man's version, of Oscar Robertson. He's not that tall. He's so strong, though. But, yeah. He gets where he wants to go on the basis of strength, and he's also very clever. He has a great handle, but it's strength. And he just overpowered Simpson or anybody else who tried to guard him. Last night, he was just too strong. And this is a guard shooting a high percentage, making threes, yes, getting to the line, though, a lot, because there was no other way to stop him except to foul and he's him not in certain tall. instances. He's six feet, but he but he is a good one ninety, oh, maybe one ninety five. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a tough guy to move, and that seems to be if you remember David Roddy as well, seems to be the kind of guys that Nico Medved likes to add, like those guys that know how to use their strength. I have that lower sort of center of gravity, and 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 wanted you know you think about Roddy Stevens same way. Hey, 
They can, they like the contact. They want to initiate it. They want to talk about playing through contact. Right. He does that all the time. And so a great game there, obviously, for Colorado And he played 36 minutes out of the 40. Barely got a breather. They will get going in Vegas this weekend, taking on Washington. Washington, very dangerous player. Keon Brooks uh, Jr. scoring more than 22 a game. But uh, we'll find out without Lake. But maybe they get Cartier back and a tremendous opportunity then to to really make a statement in Vegas on the national stage. But how about 7-0 for CSU? Unbelievable. Outstanding. And it's earned. It's great to see. The Denver Nuggets did exactly what Sandy said they would do. Uh, Jamal well, Murray. Kind of, sort of. Houston hung tougher than I thought they would, but it was basically garbage time in the fourth quarter. Yeah. The, the Nuggets do get it done. The, the big news about it, though, Jamal Murray returns. We'll talk about that, yeah. what it means for the Nuggets yeah. next on My Life Sports. My parents live in the same small town. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Fifth of the season, the 112th in his career. Extra pass, KCP. Bam! That is Nuggets basketball. Friends over at Altitude TV, of course, you're Chris Marlowe and Katie Wingy, the basket by Contavious Caldwell Pope. He had a few of those, four or six last night for 10 minutes, but the Nuggets. Nuggets basketball, Sandy, 37 and 3. <laughs> These are the numbers I want to That's focus on. That's all you need to know. When you realize the Nuggets won 134 to 124, 37 assists to three. I've never seen a box score like that. I haven't either. Three. And Nikola Jokic had 15 of them and none of the turnovers. The starting lineup. How's that even possible? The starting lineup, ladies and gentlemen. Of Holiday, Porter, Jokic, Murray, and Caldwell Pope had zero turnovers. Nobody Murray played twenty two minutes in his return, the fewest of it. Nobody had a turnover. And the funny thing is you look at the turnovers, um, only two players had turnovers. Brown, Brown had, had two. two and Gillespie had one. Nobody yeah. else even had a turnover. Exactly right. But Michael Porter Jr. had five assists, no turnovers. Jamal Murray, six assists, no turnovers. Yeah. I mean at Ridiculous what Nikola Jokic Efficiency, is doing. Uh, magnified to the nth degree. I mean, it, 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 to infinity and beyond. I mean, I've never seen a box score like that. 37 assists, three turnovers. I've never. And Houston, imagine, we were talking during the break, imagine losing a game and never really being in the game on a night that you shoot 55%, you make 39% your threes, and you take 41 of them. You make more free throws than the opponent uh, on a percentage basis. You shoot a better percentage. And you have 27 assists against only eight turnovers. And you lose These by 10, things, and yeah. you're never in the game. Never, you're never, down, never even what, challenged. 15 at the quarter, whatever it was. Never challenged. And never challenged. Yeah, they coughed up 41 and they points had in the a, first quarter. Not, not a good, a great offensive night. Uh, Green had 26. Um, Shangoon had 22. Uh, Smith Jr. had 15. Their bench was good. Um, Uncle Jeff came off the bench, was a plus player over 22 minutes with 12 points. Pretty stylish. And, and, uh, 
you know, they <laughs> the, the Nuggets dispensed some justice last night after uh, being whacked around I mean, by it, Houston twice in Houston in recent weeks. Yeah, if you're Houston in this game, you almost just have to throw up your hands and be like, I, I don't know, we're okay. Houston's out of got to be. We should have won in Dallas when we had a chance to win. We had no chance tonight. It didn't matter how well we played. We had no right. chance. Right. How about this? So the first 17 games of the season, Nikola Jokic is the only player in NBA history, the only player in history, with 475 points, 235-plus rebounds, and 150 assists. And, of course, that's before this game with the Rockets getting his third yeah. third 30-point triple-double with he no just, turnovers. It's almost every night, isn't it, that he sets some kind of record, whether it's for that particular three, game or 30-point triple-doubles with no turnovers. He's done it three times in his career. Nobody in the entire NBA over the last 40 years has done it more than no, once. Nobody nobody does it. He's no, done no, it three times. Nobody uh, just it. go to the, the, the raw totals. Nobody plays like he plays. He's eighth in the league in scoring on average, but just look at stat totals. Most made baskets in the league, second in total points, most rebounds in the league, second in assists. He is almost playing a, a different game He's than everybody else. Playing a different else. game, and you know, I listen. I I'm a child of the '60s. I watched NBA basketball very closely from about 1966 on forward. This got to be and a I have of never ever. seen a player perform in the manner that he does with that kind of consistency, that kind of efficiency, night after night after night. And when he throws in a stinker, uh, he'll get a double-double. Yeah, just want to have a good shooting night. And the Nuggets, almost without exception, when they lose, are never blown out. And and, and I understand Minnesota clocked them this year, and Houston did maybe one time. Yeah, but we're, but, but 19 we're, games we're talking the about 19 games, and 17 of the 19 games, They've either won or had a, a fine chance to win. And, uh, yeah, even with a road trip last week that was discouraging, they lost three out of four games and, and got bitten by a couple of up-and-coming teams in Houston and Orlando. Well, it, it them, how can you lose to Orlando two years in a row? Orlando's 13-5. and five. They're in second place in the East. Orlando's a good team. <laughs> You're not losing to chumps. No. It's not, uh, I mean, they – they were fortunate that in the game that Jokic and Malone got thrown out of, they were playing Detroit, and Detroit may be in line for the all-time record for losses in a season. That's possible. They won two games and lost 16. That's They're bad. on pace to be the worst team in the history of the NBA, and the Nuggets could beat them without having Jokic for most of the that game, without having the Malone for most of the game. Sixers with nine wins, I think, is the lowest ever. Uh, the Nuggets, the Nuggets the challenged it at 11 and 71. Right, 11, I remember that uh, as well. But, but yes, nine is the record, and they will, uh, in my opinion, They'll take a uh, run at they will take a run <laughs> at uh, 8 and 74. The, the Nuggets, of course, find themselves in, uh, in very good shape. It's great to have Jamal Murray back. It looked uh, much like we had discussed here that had this been over the last few weeks playoff games, Jamal Murray probably would have played. played. He would have played. I think the understanding is the Nuggets know exactly how good they are. They understand they can win without one of their pieces. And in the regular season, it doesn't matter all that much. I mean, here you are. Two of their losses are to Houston. And I think they already showed what give, they, give the difference between the two teams. They have back-to-backs on Friday night, Saturday night. Yeah. Does he play in both games? No. 
I think, I he, think, I think he, he plays on Friday against Phoenix, and he doesn't play against the Kings. I agree. That'd be my guess. I agree. So uh, there would be no reason to get him, you know, back to back, and hopefully you'd maybe get Aaron Gordon back for one of those games. But at the same time, you know, well, they can take it slow with him too. And yeah, again, if I, this I is think... the playoffs, Gordon might have been out there last night. But you know, I just it, don't think you care right now. Little credit to Malone, but credit to Holiday too. Plus twenty two and twenty seven yeah. minutes last night. Okay. Uh, yes, certainly you're better with Aaron Gordon in there. But if Aaron Gordon is only 90%, why rush him back? There's no reason to do it. And I understand some games got added to the schedule so they don't get quite the break that the original schedule had them get. But you get the Clippers but they play again. the first. They, get the, uh, they play the first in Phoenix, December 2nd at Sacramento mm-hmm. next night. But then they're off on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th. They don't play again until the 6th. And then it's kind of every other night. Uh, they have a back-to-back on the 11th and 12th. But then after that, heading up to Christmas, 14th, 16th, 18th, and 20th, I mean, they play and they rest. They play and they rest. They play and they rest. And there's no reason if Aaron Gordon needs to sit for another couple of weeks, let him sit for another yeah, couple of weeks. Yeah, I look at it and think even though these are important games, I get it that Phoenix and Sacramento are fifth and sixth in the conference as it stands today, and you definitely um, care about those tiebreakers to an extent. But if you're the well, Nuggets, I think you have this luxury really. of knowing that, you know, we don't have to be the top seed in the West. The we Nuggets don't. are the best team in the West. The team playing the best is Minnesota, but the Nuggets are the best team in the West. And if they happen to drop this to Phoenix because they're missing Aaron Gordon, uh, okay. So if they happen to drop so it what? to Sacramento because they sit Phoenix, Mummer again, Phoenix and Sacramento are, have more to worry about looking over their shoulder yeah. at the Lakers in New Orleans. At this stage, Houston, I just don't see matter. the Nuggets. The Nuggets' primary concern is simple. It's health. That's it. If That's they're all healthy, that matters. they are That's the best team in the Western Conference and maybe the best team in the league if they are healthy. So the focus yeah. needs to be on health, being healthy when it is playoff time, just being in the playoffs. You know, I think this team is good enough that they're going to be in a top four spot no matter essentially what happens. So just be healthy when things roll around. And I, I think you pointed out there's credit to Michael Malone for understanding that too. This is a guy that was wound real tight a couple of years ago and wanted to wound win every game. Real tight. Every single game yeah. was equally important to him. And already and you can see that, hey, you don't, you don't have to have that. It seems like, and I understand that most elements in this organization have remained the same in recent years, but this is the same organization now that's taking every precaution, whether it's Jamal Murray or Aaron Gordon or Nikola Jokic, it doesn't matter who it is, taking every precaution. The same organization that prior to the 22 playoffs on the eve of the 2022 playoffs was openly challenging Jamal Murray to play. Yes. So, oh, he's been cleared. It's up to him. Right. Are you kidding me? That is the same organization now. What a turnaround. A year and a half later. Of course, one championship later, too. And one GM different. And a GM who's different, That's who was a player, which Tim Connolly was not, in an NBA level. And so it, it, Tim Connolly was feeling the pressure. So he goes on radio here locally on the eve of the playoffs and says, well, Jamal Murray can play. He, it's up to him. No, right. he, he didn't say he can play. He said it's up to him. The doctors have cleared, cleared him. him. Quote, unquote. Yeah. 
And and now here they are doing the right thing, protecting their players and, and going in that direction. That's obviously valuable. Now, this weekend, a uh, couple big football games still going to think about, well, this weekend, okay, the Broncos, yeah, that's true. But wait, CU's done, CSU's done, the Air Force doesn't have their bowl. For, what are you talking about? Well, we're talking college football, 5A, 4A, 3A, all the state champion. Uh, champ- oh, yeah, thank you. High school football, college again. See, look at me. Uh, thanks, Danny. Five, eight, four, eight, three. Playoff games. High school. Yeah, there, there's that too. In fact, that, that, no, basically, some games were huge college football games, but not locally. Here, though, big high school championships. Championship Saturday coming up. Dan Mormon at ColoradoPreps.com will join us to break them all down here on Mile High Sports. A baby was again.